Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, good evening. It's good to be here in Northern Ireland. This is my third uh, trip to Bangor. I was here a couple of years ago and then before that uh, at the Faith Mission Conference, so it's great to be here. Uh, It's wonderful to meet with Christians in Northern Ireland. There's a wonderful sense of God at work in the churches. Whenever I've come over here, I've always been encouraged. And the theme for this year is building the kingdom. And of course, there's nothing greater, nothing more important, nothing more that is central to the purpose and the heart of Almighty God than building his kingdom. Let me read a verse from Acts. It's it's a verse that we actually read last night in the service here, Uh, and it's a verse that really kind of encompasses the whole theme of Acts and the theme of the conference this year. Jesus is about to return to heaven. He speaks to his disciples and he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, at this stage, you're trying to work out where my accent is from. Is that right? You know it's English, but you're not quite sure where. Any, any guesses? Birmingham, that's right. I, I, I'm a son of Birmingham, that beautiful city in the Midlands with uh, over a million in its population. Great city, wonderful city. I love the city of Birmingham. And I grew up there as a little boy in a terraced house with a very long, narrow garden. My dad was not a gardener in any sense of the word. He always felt guilty about having no green fingers. And so he decided one day he'd do something about the garden. He'd seen an advertisement in the, in the newspaper for conifer trees. For 12 shillings and sixpence, so this is a long time ago, they would send you 50 conifer trees. <laughs> so he got a postal order and he sent it off. And uh, he would come home in the evening and he'd say to my mom, have the conifer trees arrived yet? And she said, no, no, not yet. And he'd say, well, when the men bring them, 50 big trees, make sure the men leave them at the front. Don't you try and take them down the entry. And if they won't leave them at the front, you just just insist that they do. And when I get home, I'll do the hard work. And he'd come home day after day. Have my trees arrived yet? No, no, no. Until finally the day arrived and he came back and he said to my mum, have my trees arrived yet? Yes. Where are they? They're in the front room on the table. And there was a little box about six inches by three inches by two inches, and on the front it said, 50 con trees. (laughs) Have you ever been conned? And uh, he opened it up, and there were 50 little sprigs, no bigger than my little finger. We, We had a good laugh about it, but my dad was very kind of conscious that he needed to do something, so he went into the garden, and he planted 25 down one side and 25 down the other. My mum and sister left that house about seven or eight years ago, and the conifer trees had taken over. You went into the garden, you put out your hands, and you couldn't touch anything but conifer trees. You couldn't see the sun. We lost one of our children there for three days, (laughs) and I'm sure I saw Tarzan when I was searching for him. The kingdom of God, said Jesus, is like a little mustard seed. It is so tiny, it is so small, that that when you look at it, you can barely see it. It it sits on your hand and it seems to be nothing at all. And yet it will grow and grow until it becomes such a great tree that it encompasses the world. 
and people from all over the world will become part of his kingdom. That's the great theme of Acts. My, my kingdom will be preached, this gospel will be preached, says Jesus, here in Jerusalem, and then to Judea, a little bit further, and Samaria further still, and then to the ends of the earth. And as you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you see uh, two things, two great themes. The first theme is the constant opposition that the kingdom comes against, over and over again, chapter after chapter, whether it's persecution or infiltration, the kingdom of God is opposed at every step. Every time it moves, there's difficulties. That's the first theme, but of course the second theme is that the kingdom of God is unstoppable because the God of the Bible is unstoppable. The Lord reigns. Jesus is risen from the dead. The Spirit has come. And so by the end of Acts chapter 28, 30 years after the day of Pentecost, Paul is able to use that little phrase, or Luke uses that little phrase, and so we came to Rome. And it's a kind of the fulfillment of those, those words. The kingdom will go to the ends of the earth. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was with the Slavic Gospel uh, mission, that there was a, there's a motto that they had, I, I don't know whether it's still their motto, and, and this was it. Uh, and this is the theme that, that, that God has laid on my heart uh, over these next few days. What, what is the mission of the church? It is from the heart of God, through the heart of the church, into the heart of the world. The first part of that statement is, is very clear and very obvious. What is mission? It is from the heart of God. Mission isn't something that we've cooked up. It's not something that we've decided on. It's not something that we've just kind of thought about and think, that's a good thing to do. Mission begins in eternity in the heart of God. Our God is a missionary God. Mission was planned in eternity. It was revealed in prophecy. It was accomplished in history. It was applied in mission, and it will be consummated in glory. You take that great poem at the beginning or that great statement at the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 down to verse 14, read it when you get home. It's a wonderful statement, it's a statement of 202 words. Do you remember when they taught you at school where you, where you have to put a full stop in a sentence, do you remember that? Whenever you take a breath, put a full stop, Can you, did, did they teach you that in Ireland? In England they said, when you stop, put a full stop, Paul has no full stop. It just kind of pours out of him as he describes the glory of the gospel in this wonderful Trinitarian way. The Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world and predestined us that we should belong to him and, and be holy and adopted into his family to the praise of his glory. And the Son came and died that we might be redeemed, shedding his own blood so that one day he will bring together the whole of creation under his lordship. And the Holy Spirit has come so that he may seal us and, and prepare us for the day of redemption. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this is the mission of God and the purpose of God and the heart of God. There is no question, there should be no question in our minds that mission is God's heart. All of the great events associated with the coming of Christ are mission events. God had one son and he made him a missionary. The incarnation is a mission event. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us full of grace and truth. The God who looks at this world in all its sin doesn't wash his hands, but he rolls up his sleeves and he becomes human. You look in your Bibles for a moment, you see a full stop in your Bibles. Just a tiny little dot on the paper. The God of eternity, the God of glory, the God of creation became smaller than that full stop in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Why? Because God is committed to mission. And when Jesus went to the cross... 
And he went into the darkness. He who had this perfect relationship with his father, so throughout his life he speaks of God as father, father, father. 187 times recorded in the Gospels, Abba, father. Even as they nail him to the wood of the cross, father, forgive them. And yet as they lift him up, and he descends into the darkness, and the wrath of God is poured out on the head of his own son. He cries out of the darkness, not my father, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he went through that. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face to die. Why? Because the heart of God is committed to mission. What happens when Jesus rises from the dead? What are his first words to his disciples? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he ascends to heaven with these words on his lips. Receive the Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when Christ returns, he will bring the church to be with him forever. Why hasn't he come back yet? Because the mission of the church isn't finished yet. <laughs> what is mission? It is from the heart of God, through the heart of the church, into the heart of the world. There is no question at all, there is no question at all that mission is the heart of God. But then look at the last bit of that statement, into the heart of the world. There is no question at all that the world desperately, desperately needs the gospel. We live in controversial days. We live in days when men and women describe themselves as evangelicals, and yet they seem to be selling the crown jewels of the gospel. That they seem to be compromising in all sorts of areas. One of the alarming things to me, I, I studied a, a theology at Cambridge uh, 35 years ago, and in those days, you knew who the liberals were. They were the men who denied all sorts of things that we knew were gospel-centered truths. Today, men say, well, I'm an evangelical, I believe the Bible, but I don't believe this. I don't believe that Jesus is the only way to God. I don't believe that there's a place called hell. If there is a place called hell, well, it's only theoretical. And it's maybe not eternal. And I don't believe that people need to hear about Jesus in order to be saved. To me, there is no question at all that the world desperately needs to hear the name of Jesus. There is one name under heaven by which men must be saved. At the age of 18, I went um, on Operation Mobilization. I remember coming back in my second year at Cambridge, and um, I almost didn't continue the course because I, I'd seen the desperate need of men and women without Christ. I remember praying the prayer, Lord, Help me to feel about the world as you feel about the world, in all its lostness. And for a short period of time, I would walk along the road and would look at people as they actually are eternal people. Men and women who will live forever in heaven or hell. And it's true that every person you meet, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every person you meet is an eternal person. And they will live eternally in heaven or hell. The person who serves you in the shop, your next door neighbor, the person who, who, who puts the petrol in your, 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 your car and, uh, and the people you meet at the school gate, and the friends and the, the folk you meet at, the, at the, the rugby club or wherever it is, they're eternal people. And you ask God to give me that, that vision of eternal people and, and I have to say after a while, I have to say, Lord, I can't cope with this anymore. It's too much. Just help me to be a faithful witness. The world desperately needs the gospel. 
The gospel is from the heart of God into the heart of the world. Where is the church on Monday morning? Where will you be tomorrow morning? You'll be scattered all over this town, further afield in Belfast. Some of you may even get a plane and go to Birmingham if you're, if you're blessed. But, you know, wherever it is, you will be the church with the gospel in the heart of the world. You know, we can't expect the world to come into the church. We have to go to where the world is to take the gospel to lost people. What is the mission of the church from the heart of God? through the heart of the church into the heart of the world. There's no question it's in the heart of God. There's no question that the world needs it. But can I say this very often, very often, very often the weakest link is the middle bit, through the heart of the church. Very often the problem lies not with God's heart, it could never be there, and not with the need of the world, it lies with the church. Because the church is too comfortable in its circumstances. I, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor who tries to do the work of an evangelist. And yet I have to say, after 34, 35 years of Christian ministry, one of the greatest challenges to, to, to church life is to try and pull the church back from being self-centered rather than being cross-centered and gospel-centered. There's almost a gravity about church life where we see the church almost as if it exists not for a lost world, but for me and for my comfort. We don't like change. We, we oppose change. And, and when we see the need of change, well, we'd rather not change than, than, than take the gospel to lost people. My first ministry was in a little rural place called Wiltshire. And uh, there, there are lots of guys who'd never moved very far from home. They did an interview with an old boy there who was uh, 100 years of age. 100 years. He'd, he'd just got his 100th birthday. And they did an interview with him. And they said, uh, you've lived here all your life. Yes, I've been here all my life. I've worked on a farm all my life. Have you travelled far? No, I haven't, he said. I, I went to Swindon once, but I didn't care for it. <laughs> and then they said to him, and you must have seen a lot of changes in your life. I've seen lots of changes, yes. And can I tell you something? I've been against every single one of them. <laughs> I'm guessing he was probably an evangelical. But, but the world needs the gospel. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? I mentioned that uh, I'd been with OM. Um, we, we, we had a wonderful occasion where George Verwer, the founder of OM, came to speak to the OM prayer group that I led. Now, if you know anything about George Verwer, he's very much into um, uh, literature evangelism. And so uh, the, the college that I was at was about two miles from the railway station. And so I went to the railway station to wait for George, and he arrived, and he got off the train with these huge bags full of books. And I said, uh, George, do you want to get a bus? No, 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 we're going to walk to your college. How far is it? I said, well, it's a couple of miles, George. That's fine. We'll walk. You carry the books. <laughs> so, so I, I cut a trail behind. I soon realized why he wanted to walk, because every step of the way he was giving away tracts. You need to hear this. You need to hear about this. You need to feel about Jesus. And we arrived at Hall, where, where a meal was set for him, and we got all the Christian Union assembled. They were going to see this great man, George. I, I went to get his meal. I came back, and he disappeared. He wasn't on the table with the Christians. He was off somewhere else talking to the, to the, to, to, to the guys around the corner who were, who were half calide with, with, with too much drunk, the, the rugby club and the, and the boating guy, because he was saying, I want to tell you about Jesus. This year, almost 40 years later, uh, I was at a, a conference with George Ver, where he's now an old man, and yet he'd got this, this globe, this world globe, holding up and saying, look, the world needs Jesus. The, the man is completely mad complete but thank god for that kind of insanity because here's a man who says the church's purpose is to take the gospel to the world
And so what I want to speak about this week, and you're thinking, what on earth is he speaking about? <laughs> Haven't we got... No, what I want to speak about this week, therefore, is that weakest link, the church. I want to speak about the nature of the church, how the church is, is, is defined by God and sent by God in mission. The first three mornings, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, God willing, we will look at Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. It's a chapter that is important, is vital, is significant. Indeed, if you think about it, um, it's the climax of the ministry of Jesus as far as the, the, this world is concerned until he comes again. The resurrection and the ascension and the reign of Christ comes to the pouring out of the Spirit. There's only one chapter in the whole Bible that describes it, the, the day of Pentecost. Now, it's controversial, and there are all sorts of, bit of controversial bits in there, but that's okay. Uh, I'll tell you what you need to believe on that. And uh, we can have a good debate about it. And if you come from whatever tradition, I mean, the great thing about being interdenominational is that I can say all sorts of things and probably displease everybody. But never mind, that, that's fine. I'm happy to, to, to talk to you on the door. What we'll do on the first three mornings is look at that chapter together. We'll look at the meaning of Pentecost. We'll look at the when. When did it happen? What's significant about the date? and the what, what actually took place, and the why. Why did Pentecost take place? Why is it important? The second morning, we'll look at the message of Pentecost, the meaning of Pentecost, the message of Pentecost. What was this message that turned the world upside down? What was this gospel that God put into the hands of the church that would change the face of the world? And then the third morning, we'll look at the ministry of Pentecost. We'll look at the results. We'll look at the church. What does a true New Testament church look like? What's it supposed to be look like? So that's the first three mornings, and then on the last two mornings, we'll, we'll go right the way forward to the end of the apostolic era. That's the birth of the church, that's the beginning of the church, and then on those last two mornings, we'll look at the church right at the end of the apostolic era, when, when we look at the uh, two of the churches in the book of Revelation. Sixty years later, when the apostolic era is ending and the church has reached maturity, and we'll look at two churches on those two mornings, and I haven't quite decided which they'll be yet, so you can pray about that so that I get the right too. We're evangelicals. This is an evangelical conference. We're committed to the kingdom of God and to the mission of the church. Someone's defined an evangelical like this. What is an evangelical? An evangelical is someone who believes that the gospel, they're a gospel person, the gospel must be defined biblically, experienced personally, and communicated passionately. That's an evangelical. We believe that the gospel should be defined biblically. No one disagrees with that. There's not a man-made gospel. There's not a human. It's the Bible. It's God's Word. The gospel must be defined biblically. We believe that. And the gospel must be experienced personally. You're not a Christian until you've tasted the gospel for yourself, until you have a personal faith in Christ. And we know that, and we preach that, and that's at the heart of our ministry. But the third thing about a true evangelical is if they believe it's defined biblically and experienced personally, they also believe that it must be communicated passionately. And if we're not doing that, then we have to question whether we're really evangelicals. Is your church communicating the gospel of Christ to a lost world which in desperate need? Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.